I'm a very big believer in if you want to get something big done, just start very simply. And that's just sitting at the desk and looking at the blank page. I remember when I started my writing habit, I did sit and not write anything for a couple of days. And then, you know, you've just got to see it as, um, you know, a long game and not a short game. And once you have that habit, you're strengthening the muscles. And when you come, you know, if you have a slump again, you know what to do. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. I first met Robin Wall through the Habit membership. All of us in the membership were overjoyed when she told us that she had two picture books coming out simultaneously. My first book of beards and my first book of tattoos were just published by Random House Kids. Robin also recently published a story in the Lost Tales of Sir Galahad. We got together to talk about perfectionism, baby steps, and watercolor lessons. Robin Wall, I'm so happy to have you on the Habit Podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm so excited. So you just released a couple of board books as part of the My Cool Family series. Yes. And it's my first book of beards and my first book of tattoos. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming, the book of tattoos for for uh, babies. Well, I have a lot of tatted friends. And, you know, I looked it up. I think about like 37 or 40% of millennials have tats were inked. So um, I just wanted to write a book that was an invitation to cuddle for my tatted mom friends. And all the tatted (laughs) friends I have are just the sweetest people. And they always have these really sweet stories. And I I was just very inspired, especially the ones that have tats of doodles that their kids have drawn. That was just the sweetest thing. Yeah. So, yeah. How did, so that's, that, that's kind of where the idea of, of a uh, tattoo uh, book came from. Um, my cool family. Are there going to be more of these? I books? hope so. Yeah. Fingers crossed, Jonathan, you know, hopefully these will do well. People will like them. And I will say, even though they feature bearded and tatted um, families, they're really about connecting in the little years. That's really where my heart is. Um, I love to write things that are quirky, but also super sweet and sentimental. So that's kind of where the the beginning heart was. And I wrote the Beards book first because I'm married to a bearded guy and he's a great dad. And I just didn't see a lot of books about that. I thought it would be really fun. Um, and it would be just a funny way to express this sentimental thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, before we started recording, you you showed the books to me and you read them to me, and they really are sweet and cute with with little. Um, uh, I think you said there's about eighty words per book, something like that. It's very hard to to stay at that word count, Jonathan. But it's I love the challenge too, and it was just so fun to rhyme. So I'm very excited. I've submitted manuscripts that are prose and in verse, and Uh it's really meaningful to me that my first, you know, my debuts are in verse. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, You, so you, you work in both of those, those genres, both prose and 
poetry. And you mentioned earlier that you've actually read it uh, at some poetry festivals. And you live in New York City. Yes. And you've done at least one festival there. Yes. So if you come to New York in June or July, you have to look it up because the date varies each year. There's the New York City Poetry Festival. Mm -hmm. And I am part of the Redeemed Writers Group. So that is a writers group within the Center for Faith and Work. Uh Um, And we got to read. So we got to... um, Sorry, D- different groups can apply to read together. And I was uh-huh. able to read together. And I happened to read on the Algonquin stage, which was really fun. Oh, fun. I thought that was great. There are several different stages and you just walk in and out. It's kind of like the Beale Street of poetry. Mm. You're just walking in and out of different poets or uh, and poems. Uh-huh. So it's really fun. And I was the sole children's poet writer there. Uh-huh. So... We listened to some really heartbreaking poetry and some really dark, you know, this is how the world is poems. And then I had to preface mine and say, hey, this is a children's poem. It's going to be funny because I felt like (laughs) if I didn't press it, preface it, it would um, it would just be really strange. Uh (laughs) But it was fun. Um, Yeah. And and speaking of. Funny and strange uh, children's literature. Your story in the you have a story in the in the, the Lost Tales of Sir Galahad. Uh, Sir Galahad and the seat comfortable. Yes, which is as you described it, exalted potty humor. Exactly. So you guys were looking for kind of a middle grade kid friendly story, and I was inspired by the you know the seat perilous and. Yeah. Thought, what if a unicorn um, had a natiform back? You guys can look up what natiform means. And the, you know, he's just looking for the one bottom that could fit the seat, you know? So it was really fun to write. And honestly, I almost didn't submit it because um, I don't know much about King Arthur. Uh-huh. Um, but I took the risk and it ended up going really well. So I just encourage any writers, if you're new to a genre, just to try it out. Even if I hadn't gotten in the book, it wouldn't have been wasted writing. It was really fun. And the writing I did for that, I think is helpful in the middle grade fantasy I'm working on right now. So uh-huh. it was great. That's yeah, a great point that that no no work you do as a writer is wasted. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk to me about perfectionism. I know that's something that you have, have dealt with. Yes. So, um, I think writing is a great way to heal from perfectionism. Hmm. You know, we all live in a world of incomplete things. And I think as creators, we feel that very keenly because we're always working on projects And every day you show up and you have a little done and then you've got to add more and then you've got to leave it incomplete and imperfect. Mm. And even when the time comes to, you know, let it out into the world, we could have still kept going. You know, there could have been more character development. There could have been this thing or that thing. So I don't think we're ever complete in our creative work. It's really just like something was due or, you know, 
um, it's good enough. And I think mm-hmm. that's the big thing. Um, when we're writing, we're learning, hey, this is good enough. I can keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the one thing, I did a webinar with the, the Habit membership recently mm-hmm. about how do you know when something is, is done? And it's a really hard question to answer. And I think it's, it's one thing we talked about was the idea that you have to ask yourself, if I continue to tinker with this, is it going to serve the reader? Is, it going to be, is the reader going to have a better experience if I tinker with this more? Or is, it, you know, is the, the, the delay in getting this out to serve people worth the additional tinkering? And so much of the tinkering is I want to make sure I don't look like an idiot instead of I want to serve my, my reader or love them. Yes. I mean, I think we're exposed to the elements of rejection and looking like an idiot constantly as writers. And (laughs) I think that's a big part of healing from perfectionism saying it's good enough. And you know what, if not everybody likes it, that's going to be okay. You know, you will find people who do like your work. Um, I've, you know, so that's very good. It's good practicing for putting yourself out there and um, knowing you can survive rejection. I've had a lot of rejection. I've had um, you know, an agent for five or six years now, and these are my first works coming out right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and here's something. I should add this. So I submitted these um, same manuscripts, didn't change anything, I think three years ago. And... They were rejected by every publisher. And somehow my agent called me like a year or two ago and was like, hey, do you want a contract for these books? She had actually sent them out again. And I got the contract without even editing the manuscript. So and that was very encouraging in that I said, hey, I was doing good work then. And you may be doing good work right now, all on your lonesome communing with God, feeling good about these things, get rejected, but it's still good work. You know, a lot of it is waiting to find, you know, like your soulmate editor. That's what I call them. Or, <laughs> you know, people who get what you're doing. So don't be discouraged. You, you're probably doing good stuff and you just need to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's it's so helpful to keep in mind there are some things I'm in control of and a whole lot of things I'm not in control of and and tend to the business that you can tend to and then let let the the other parts go. Um, yeah, and I think that is part of perfectionism too. It's thinking you know if I get it right, then something will happen, you know. And in the meantime, like you said, you're wasting a lot of time. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. You you. F- have framed the idea of perfectionism or, or healing from perfectionism. You connect that with acts of faith. Like what do you mean when when you, when you say, you know, writing is, is an act of faith, writing as a way of healing from perfectionism. What what are the spiritual issues at, at stake here? Well, as we already covered, we talked about dealing with incomplete things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that verse where it's like, he that began a good work, good work in you will bring it to completion. And I think that's how it is with writing. You know, I think every mm-hmm. idea we have can be a gift. We don't have to follow all of them, but I think the ones that stick with us and that we can't forget, um, those are the things we should faithfully 
stick with and put our energies toward. And it can feel, um, you know, I'm kind of in the messy middle of a novel right now. Mm -hmm. So it can feel like this is never going to get done. Uh, But I go back and I center myself and think, you know what? I tried to avoid writing, like starting this for like a month. And it's all I could think of. And the world kept getting bigger. And (laughs) I just started. So centering myself back, and I really view those ideas that stick with you as a gift. So being faithful to that. Um, Also, just every day you go to a blank page, even if you're working on a long manuscript, you know, there's empty space that you have to fill and trusting that the ideas will come, you know, when you're done writing for your session for the day, trusting that tomorrow something will come. And I think it is helpful. I do stop before uh, I've written everything just so Mm -hmm. that that blank page is a little less intimidating. So I'll write notes. So I have somewhere to go, but it's trusting that I won't run out of ideas. Yeah, (laughs) That's a very scary thing, you know, it is. Um, how do you have any idea how you reached a point where you could trust that there was, there was more where that last idea came from? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think every day you're practicing using that muscle of getting over the dread of starting Mm -hmm. and just starting. I think it's a lot less of thought process and just doing, um, just practicing, like, even if it's getting to the desk, picking up the pen or opening your computer, opening the document. (laughs) And as soon as that you write that first word, you're silencing those voices that you hear that want you to be perfect, right? Things like, oh, there's no point in doing this, or this isn't going to be good enough or whatever. It's like, be quiet. I'm just going to start, right? Yeah, yeah. So like you're kind of talking about baby steps towards, Mm -hmm. you know, once you take a few steps, you can take some bigger steps. Yes. And I have seen that in my writing journey for sure. So just developing a habit is something small or like showing up to the desk every day for 10 minutes at first, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. Did you literally just show up for 10 minutes at first? I think it was like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, I, so in seasons, it's easier to write and in seasons, it's harder to write. And in mm-hmm. those harder seasons, um, sometimes I have to even restart my habit again, mm-hmm. even though I've had like months of good writing and then mm-hmm. I hit a slump. Yeah. So uh, I've done like 15 minutes where like, I'm just going to sit here for 15 minutes. Uh-huh. And if I don't write anything, it's okay. But usually, it's just the act of getting there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just have low expectations and then, you know, things will go great. Um, also, <laughs> in those seasons where it's hard, if I'm working on a longer work, I just uh, have a requirement of writing a paragraph and it can be a short or long paragraph. Oftentimes I write more than that, but mm-hmm. on days where it's just really hard to show up, I, w- I feel productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on days where, you know, we're just rolling, it's great because there's kind of a, a habit that's there. Yeah. Um, the, I've, I've heard you or I've read you describe this as writing from the ground up. Um, what, can you tell me about that that language of of writing from the ground up? 
Well, I think we just kind of talked about it, you know, yeah. in those harder slumpy days, maybe you're even literally laying on the ground being like, <laughs> this is the worst. Why am I trying to write? Yeah. Um, so I guess it has a literal, a literal, yeah, right, literal. <laughs> but I just mean just starting somewhere very simple. Yeah. I'm a very big believer in if you want to get something big done, just start very simply. And that's mm-hmm. just sitting at the desk and looking at the blank page. I remember when I started my writing habit, I did sit and not write anything for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've just got to see it as... Um, you know, a long game and not a short game. Mm-hmm. And once you have that habit, you're strengthening the muscles. And when you come, you know, if you have a slump again, you know what to do. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's so, that, that's such a great way to put it. You know what to do whenever you, you're, you're, you are releasing yourself from these bad feelings, right? I mean, I find myself, at times, you know, things go wrong when I start treating writing as mood management. Like I, I am, people say things like, you know, I write when the pain of not writing is greater than the pain of writing or yeah, I think I said that right. That's just mood management. And then if you, if you approach it that way, once you feel it, once you've written your paragraph, and you feel a little bit better. It's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep going because I feel better. And I don't need this, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm, that, that way of thinking about the work did actually get me through for a while. And then I reached one mm-hmm. where it doesn't get me through anymore. I, 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 this doesn't, when this is just mood management, it's, it just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I actually was quite productive working that way for a while. And then I, and then it just, just didn't work anymore. And so I love what you're saying about you've got this habit. It makes you, uh, you know what to do even when you don't feel like doing it. Yes. And, you know, we are people. So, you know, over time, we're whole people. We're mind, soul, and body, right? Mm -hmm. So over time, I've learned, oh, I need to drink some water. That will help my writing. You know, like small (laughs) things like that getting good sleep. Um, you know, there are soul things too, where, you know, when you're hitting a funk, changing things up, that's actually why I started, uh, I joined the habit membership because Uh I was in a writing funk and I needed to shake things up a little bit. And I signed up for your Flannery O'Connor course because I'm like, I loved her and I haven't read her in a really long time. And it was just good to shake things up. I've joined watercolor classes, you know, Uh things like that. Um, if I'm stuck, I know if I r- walk around the block, something might come. You know, you learn those little nuances. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm a very um, practical person. So sometimes when I'm writing, this is just how God has made me write. I'm like, this is so impractical. Like, there are so many, you know, injustices and hardships throughout the world. And here I am just sitting and writing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, something that was helpful for me in a season is just finding places to volunteer. That helps fulfill a part of me that God has created um, Mm -hmm. that has supplemented. I mean, I'm not doing it just to make my writing good. It's just like (laughs) God has created us to drink water. I think specifically I have a heart of servanthood and just meeting that need, you know, doing things like that helps with the overall person and that spills over into your writing. Uh So just know who you are, know how God has created you. 
and kind of adjust your life according to that. I've also had seasons where um, it's hard to write and putting a timer on is helpful. So I'll write for 20 minutes, have a 20 minute timer and then take a long break and then do 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just depends on the season. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, when you figure out what works, you also have to realize that that may not work forever. Yes. You know, that, that uh, uh, whenever you hear ideas about, about how other people work and you think, well, I'm glad it works for you. That wouldn't work for me. Well, the time may be coming when you need that tool in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I just, I've been doing it long enough to know that, that uh, you know, when I think I've got it figured out, here's how you, here's what I need to do to write. You know, I need to take a nap or I need to whatever. And then I just need to, to think in terms of this is what works for me now, not this is what works mm. for me eternally. Yeah. And that's part of healing from the perfectionism too. acknowledging, Mm. you know, even let's say you have your perfect spread like layout and your perfect habit, something's going to go differently. And so it's being open to changing and being flexible. So it's good. That's good. All right. You, you just mentioned watercolor. Um, I, I do love the idea of people doing one kind of, you know, when you're, you have your main creative work, sometimes doing a mm-hmm. different kind of creative work can really shake something loose. Uh, every now and then I'll do a, um, it's been a while since I've done it, but I, I like to do a little lino cut every now and then. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ned Bustard would be so proud of you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he may not be especially proud of the lino cuts I do, but, but oh, he, uh, yeah, but I, I just, it, it, it shakes something loose. Just doing, I love, I like doing something with my hands. Mm. Um, and, um, and so, uh, you said you have taken watercolor classes. How has that affected your, your writing? It's practicing the same things, but in a different way. And also mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to, you know, cross pollinate with the different arts forms of art because it feels a lot lower stakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I went into the water class and, was just like, I want to see people in the day because I work from home Mm -hmm. and maybe learn a thing or two. Um, And with the lower stakes, you know, you're able to practice those releasing your creative muscles more freely, Uh I think. Uh Yeah. Um, So you start with the same blank page when you're watercoloring, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, but it doesn't feel as hard for me when I'm in the watercolor class. Um, and also I've learned, I, I'm not a visual artist. I haven't done a lot of artwork in that sense. But I used to think that artists were just great at drawing lines perfectly the first time, much like when we compare our writing to things that are on the shelves, right? Yeah, right. And I've learned through this class and sketching before I paint, uh, no, Editing is everywhere in, in art. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. giving me permission, like, oh, yet again, to make more, you know, crappy first drafts. So yeah. it's just practicing, but in a, in a different way. Another thing is um, there's a lot of layering in watercolor. Mm. So 
trusting the process mm-hmm. and watercolor, you can't control everything. That, and that's part of the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So allowing the colors to bleed together, you're not exactly sure how it's going to dry. Hmm. But I actually love that. That's my favorite part of looking at watercolor. So it's allowing me to practice, you know, not being in control and actually embracing hmm. that, embracing the, um, you know, the chaos of it in some way. And it becomes very beautiful. So it's been very good and healing for me. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I like to draw because I don't expect to be especially good at it. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of what you were saying uh, about about watercolor. It's it is. Uh, I find it very freeing to to try something that that I don't ex- that 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 I, you know, for one thing that I don't have any of myself any of my identity tied up with. Mm. You know, I mean, when yeah. it comes to writing, it would break my heart to put something out there that I you know that people thought was terrible. Oh yeah, and but I drawing. Bet- you know, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm at my local YMCA. Granted, it's in New York. So I'm at the 92nd Street Y, which is incredible. But (laughs) I'm surrounded by, you know, older folk who have retired. Mm -hmm. And they are so lavish with their compliments. It's just amazing. (laughs) Very low stakes. Very low stakes. So it's good. Well, uh, that that is... uh, it. Besides working a different part of your brain, you know, Plus the freedom that you get from doing something that you don't think of as, as your thing. I, I just, I, I love that you're doing watercolor. I, I recommend that, but, you know, some kind of art form that you're not very good at, or that you don't expect to be good. I think it's so helpful for, for mm. a writer or for anybody who's doing creative work. So I'm really glad you, uh, you mentioned, I'm glad you're doing that. Um, yeah, it's good to practice being a beginner too. You yeah. know, we're adults and it's very, I mean, it's uncomfortable being a beginner and that's <laughs> practicing more of these beginner muscles. Cause I think it does translate to writing. You know, I'm finding myself trying different genres. I um, yeah. submitted a horror story to a middle grade anthology, which I would have <laughs> never done to like two years ago. And it was yeah. great. I actually enjoyed it. I'm not a big horror fan, but it was fun to think through, oh, how can I make this scarier? Or, you know, what would leave me unsettled if I read the story? I think some having the control is probably what's helpful. You know, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm a big scaredy cat, but it was so much fun. (laughs) So I think just practicing being a beginner will just serve you in all parts of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. I, and the truth is, when I sit down, I mean, I, I've gotten where there are things that, like my Tuesday that I write every week. I don't feel like a beginner in that. But every time mm-hmm. I sit down to write anything, you know, an essay, a new story, a, a book, it, it just feels like you got, I've got to figure out how to do this every single time. I, I mean, I it feel like, still feel like a beginner, even in the things that I'm supposedly, that are supposedly my thing. 100%. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're always meeting a new character. You know, what are they going to do? I don't know. You know, <laughs> and trying out new genres and, you know, do new forms of dialogue, new settings. Uh, yeah. It's all new. And like you said, our we're in different seasons of our writing habit, too. So just we're combining everything. Yeah. Um, but 
that's also the beauty of faith too. God is always making things new and we get to be a part of this, you know, whether, whether we like it or not. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. But, <laughs> yeah. but on the beautiful end of that, it's like, we're, we're speaking new things yeah. and bringing new beauty into the world, which is great. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you live in New York city. We, we, as has come up a couple of times. Um, how long have mm-hmm. you been there? So I moved last summer, but I've been, well, to the city proper, but I've been in the metro area for nine years. So uh-huh. I was in uh, Northern Jersey, which we call the sixth borough. Basically, uh-huh. you can you can take the train 15 minutes and get into the city. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm curious to know, uh, doing creative work, can you talk to me about what it's like to be in, uh, in the city? Because you've lived in the suburbs and now you're living in the show enough city, right? I mean, coming from Tennessee, moving into Hoboken, New Jersey, if you've ever been there, it uh-huh. is the city. Like you walk everywhere. I was at the laundromat. Like my my oldest, she actually learned to walk at the laundromat, which is something <laughs> that was so different for me. Um, but being in the city proper... I love, there's a lot of cross-pollination, right? So you get to go into galleries and just get inspired constantly. Even if someone just wrote a strange word on the wall, (laughs) I don't know. Um, And the, the reason we moved into here is because we're from Tennessee and we're like, we've never lived in the actual proper city. And it, Mm. it, there is a pulse. um, You don't, you don't feel anywhere else. It's been great. And also um, I'm working on a middle grade novel that takes place in the city that I hope one day will, you know, be published or something, but we'll see. Um, But even with that, just being in the actual setting you're writing about is so inspiring, so Mm -hmm. inspiring. And there are so many things, so many hidden beauties that are hidden in plain sight. So if you have Mm -hmm. the eye for it, there's so much appreciation, no matter where you are, honestly, but sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, I've, I've never, you know, lived right in the middle of a, of a city and uh, it's, it's, it's such a, an interesting energy. Um, it seems like there would always be something to write about. Um, I mean, your dialogue really improves. I love mm. listening to people just yeah. sit on a bench and listen to people walking or at a diner. Um, you know, and I feel like I have the right to as someone who lives in New York City. I don't feel uh-huh. like I'm imposing by listening or being uh-huh. rude. Uh-huh. So that's very lovely. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, I, I want to hear um, who are the writers who make you want to write? Oh, man. Okay. If we're going to go really old school, I would say Mary Shelley. Okay. Frankenstein. Uh-huh. The, pa- the pacing of that is spectacular. And every time I reread it, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, also, since I'm writing a middle grade fantasy, I reread uh, Treasure Island. Uh-huh. And the first part of that particularly is really good. Yeah, um, I love the first part. It just throws you into it. I haven't um, read that in a long time. I need to check that out. Oh, it's great. Uh, coming in a little closer in time, I love Julia Alvarez. Mm-hmm. So she wrote um, How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents. I love her interweaving of characters and her pacing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Shel Silverstein as a children's poet, of course. Yeah. Oh, that would be the dream to be able to <laughs> do a children's poetry collection. Oh, my goodness. Did um, you know he wrote uh, Johnny Cash's song, The Boy Named Sue? No. Yeah. 
but I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. I'm going to Google that just to make sure while you're uh, <laughs> your next person. Um, as far as the last few years, um, Delia Owens, where the crawdads sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. And also my friend, Daniel Nayeri, he wrote everything sad is untrue. Uh huh. And uh, it's so good. So good. Um, I have not read that. I hear it is uh, amazing. Yes. I wish I had that 12 year old in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's he does such a good job of being philosophical and also just a 12 year old. Like there's poop mm-hmm. jokes in there, but then there's things that I'm like, I wish I could talk to you every day and get yeah. advice about my life. <laughs> so he did a great balance of that. That's great. Uh, just double check. Shell Silverstein did write the boy named Sue. So, okay. Good to know. You All learn right. something new every day. Yeah, he he uh, he had kind of a, I don't know if he ever lived in Nashville, but he was definitely kind of kicking around Music Row, pitching songs and things. So I I could see that. Yeah. All right, Robin Wall, thank you so much for being here. I I love that you are trying so many different things, new things, and making things happen. So congratulations on on these two books that are coming out. Thanks so much, Jonathan. It's been really lovely to be here. The Habit Podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To check out more of our podcasts, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcast. Our work at The Rabbit Room would be impossible without the generous support of our membership. If you'd like to learn more about membership at The Rabbit Room, visit rabbitroom.com slash member. And thanks for listening. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. 